0: Welcome to the latest installment of the Sharp Best Ball Show. I am your host, Todd Burroughs, and today we are joined by Warren Sharp himself of Sharp Football Analysis, the man, the machine, the mustache. He is live with us today, and we are going to be talking best ball, and we're going to be talking teams, and we're going to be talking players to help you get ready for your best ball drafts. And give us a follow on Sharp Football Analysis on YouTube. Subscribe and like the button. That's at Warren Sharp FB Analysis. Subscribe and like and let me know that you did on Twitter, and I will follow you and make sure that you are appreciated. Thank you very much for joining, and we are here to try and help you win the big prize on underdog fantasy. And speaking of underdog fantasy, this show is sponsored by underdog fantasy and the biggest fantasy football tournament of all time, Best Ball Mania 4. Don't know what best ball is? It's simple. You just enter Best Ball Mania on Underdog's Slick mobile app, draft your team, and that's it. Yep, it's set it and forget it as Underdog optimizes your lineup weekly to create the highest-scoring one. It's here, it's Best Ball Mania 4, and it's your shot at a first-place prize of $3 million. There's two and a half weeks left to the season, folks. Get signed up on underdogfantasy.com or via the App Store and use the promo code SHARPKIT. And and Underdog will not only double your initial deposit up to $100, but you will also receive the Sharp Football Draft Kit for just $1. That includes over 40 exclusive fantasy football articles, which will help your chances at winning that $3 million grand prize. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SHARPKIT. Warren, welcome to the show, it is a Great pleasure. I've been looking forward to having you on for a while. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me, Todd. Definitely, uh, this this podcast uh, has changed over over the years. Initially, uh, this was this used to be me and Evan Silva way back when, um, rocking through some of these games, and uh, and here we are now. And I don't come on very often, but we had to make sure that we hit this. To talk about some of these things from a betting perspective as well as uh it definitely helps from a, whether it's best ball or fantasy to understand the betting landscape and uh, opinions of people that bet on these sports for a living because it will help in the fantasy realm as well um so certainly happy to join and i definitely want to re-echo the sentiment that you said earlier in this podcast a lot of different people come and go in terms of the different guests that you bring on. It's a great podcast. People should be subscribing to it. Uh, The Sharp Angles podcast, you can find it on any of the platforms and of course on YouTube as well. Uh, Right there at the bottom at Warren Sharp FB analysis,
0: you can subscribe
1: on YouTube.
0: Awesome. And you know, Warren, we have fantasy um, things that uh, people can subscribe to on the site as well as your betting stuff. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what your offering is, your background, and why people should invest in a Sharp Football uh, subscription? Well, um,
1: first of all, I mean, there are different levels to this game, Todd, uh, as you well know. So the first thing you wanna be grabbing a copy of is the 2023 Football Preview. And as you can see, this sucker is, Immense and massive, and um, you can get it up at the website. Sharp Uh, Actually, actually just go to uh, sharp.football, and you can get that. That's the best look at the upcoming season, as easily and as digestible as possible, 32 different team chapters. We've also put out, I want to say, about 28 to 30 different NFL futures. Uh, So those are up there as well. You can grab a futures package if you want to start placing some bets on the upcoming season um, before week one even arrives. And of course, then there's season long betting packages that we offer. And uh, I personally recommend the all access package because you get all of Rich Rebar's outstanding fantasy analysis. He writes up literally every single game, every single game in depth analysis faster than any other website puts up their analysis. The thing Todd with Uh, betting that's a little bit different than like season-long fantasy at the different uh, fantasy sites that are out there for DFS specifically, is that once the pricing is set, it doesn't change. However, on the betting market, these lines are changing all throughout the season, all throughout the week. And so it's vital for you to understand what your thought process is of a game. And then if you find the ability to get value out of that line, you need to pounce as quickly as possible. And that is why Rich's write-ups and analysis and game previews that he comes out with starting on Tuesdays of each week and done by like Wednesday at like 11 AM or so are so invaluable to get you ahead of the rest of the guys out there that are just trying to dig into the games at that point in time, you'll already have a big step ahead. Plus which um, when I release picks, we go as early as like, sometimes uh Monday, Monday afternoon, Tuesday, like we're getting in early enough in the week so that we're going to get you some of the best numbers possible. Um, we consistently beat the lines and we've had a lot of success. The track records speak for themselves up at sharp football analysis. You can look at my historical records. Um, and so I anticipate another big season, Todd, and look forward to looking forward to breaking down some of these teams with you right now, because I think we've got a, good understanding of a lot of these teams. And I think it's going to be fun talking about it here with you.
0: Yeah, I I agree. But but, uh, I just want to make sure I understand what you just said to me and, and one of the big advantages of the Sharp football and being part of Sharp football, not you're saying to me that not only does Rich Rebar put out the best information possible, But he puts it out before everyone else does it. And you're also saying to me, because lines change constantly during the week, you want to have a membership in our betting package so that because a a little change could change whether or not you want to make a bet. uh, Did I get that correct? You got that correct. Exactly. Getting the right number,
1: the right price on a bet is basically as important as finding the right bet itself. Because it's not, you could say, well, I like the under when these two teams play. But if you don't know how much value is in the line, then it's just an opinion. It's not actually a good investment to make. And all we're focused on are good investments to make. It has to have enough value. And the only way that it has enough value is if you're getting into the market at the right time. Sometimes it's early, sometimes it's late. For example, one of the teams I think we're going to talk about is the New York Jets. If you want to fade the New York Jets, if you want to bet, if you want to bet against the Jets this year on the season-long futures market, you don't want to sit here on uh tuesday and bet the jets under their win total because Aaron Rodgers is about to play his first preseason game and i could tell you almost regardless unless he gets you know his his extremity broken during the game people are still going to find things to spin positively about his performance out on the field that is going to make the jets price continue to tick up and he's on hard knocks for several more weeks you don't want to be betting the under on him today you want to wait until like the day before the season starts. And that is when you want to come in and bet under on all the jets futures if you are so inclined. Um, So sometimes it's better to wait. Sometimes it's better to go early and it's unfortunate. um, I, I wish the lines locked and I didn't have to do this. It would be more fun if it was like DFS and I don't know what day, Tuesday or Wednesday, like everything's locked up. And so you could just deal with like all your analysis and take your time. But, can't do that in sports betting, and that's why I'm monitoring this, why I rarely sleep during the season, uh, and why it becomes very stressful if you're trying to win money betting on sports.
0: Well, that's fascinating. I'm really glad that we went over that. To all of you listening, again, you can go to our site, and you can sign up for all of these packages. And, uh, I mean, if for no other reason, the all-access package includes – Rich Rebar's write-ups, because I know I've paid in the past for a different service, and I have to wait sometimes till the end of Thursday. And uh, kind of exciting news, it looks like I will be doing an in-season podcast for Sharp Football Analysis. And one of my biggest things about doing something uh, that's not last minute is that my preparation doesn't really even normally get going until I read that stuff Thursday night. So now, I mean, Rich is as good as anyone, and I am excited to get started early, and I'm excited to continue this journey with Sharp Football Analysis. Warren, I'm really glad we took a little bit of an extra time to cover that. Um, I did an article this week on teams and players to attack or fade this week, Um, Each of the teams to attack are cheap for a reason, but uh, just because it's cheap doesn't mean the reasoning is sound. The first team I put on the list, and I'm fascinated to hear if you agree with me, is the Atlanta Falcons, who are are inexpensive both due to uncertainty at the quarterback position with Desmond Ritter, but also there's a lot of negative stuff That is thought about Arthur Smith. I've really come around on them as an offense uh, uh, for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is the lesson of the Detroit Lions last year, which is if you have a stellar offensive line, everything tends to work through that. And with the players being so cheap on the Falcons, are you sharing my enthusiasm for that team this year? Um, Because I know when I looked at the betting markets, Uh, The betting lines, once I came around on the Falcons, I was surprised they are more expensive on betting lines than they are on uh, best ball.
1: Yeah, that's because in in part because we bet them up. I mean, uh, one of the futures... So first of all, before I even um, came out with the book, we came out with a sample chapter of the book. And so, you know, like 15 of these pages in here Are about the atlanta falcons and as i dove into the falcons like in march and april doing all my research and due diligence like i was just shocked by how competitive this team truly was last year that really didn't get a whole lot of um uh, uh, it wasn't a whole lot made of it but in 15 of 17 games last year they were in those games they were competitive in those games they either won or they lost by no more than one score. Meaning if they had the ball late, they were in position to tie the game or win the game. Um, There was only two other teams that were quote unquote in more games than the Atlanta Falcons last year, the Kansas city chiefs and the Buffalo bills. That was it. And the Atlanta Falcons were in that many games. They did not win that many games. They only won seven of their uh, 17 games. However, they were competitive in those games. And several things went wrong for this team that might go right this year. And I believe that they will. Um, before we even discuss that, obviously, we have to mention the fact that this team had like $86 million in dead cap hit last year, second most of any team. How do you build a roster? How do you build out the depth if you're allocating more to players that are playing on other teams than you are to your offense or than you are to your defense? You know, it's very challenging. And that's the position that the general manager and the head coach were in last year. How are we going to build this team? So they go out and they get a quarterback because they had to move on for Matt Ryan, you know, cut bait on Matt Ryan, but we were eating a bunch of dead cap for Matt Ryan. What quarterback could we come in here? If Desmond Ritter isn't ready to start taking snaps under center, he doesn't know all the checks. He might get himself killed out there. He, he needs a little bit of time on the bench to like figure out this offense and, and get ready, get NFL ready, so to speak. Um, he's not a like first round draft pick. He's not the number one overall pick, right? He's a pick deeper down the depth uh, d- down the, uh, the draft board. So they wanted to take their time with Ritter. So they go out and get Marcus Mariota. Well, it's a couple of problems with Marcus Mariota. I mean, if you've been watching preseason, you've seen them quite easily if you're watching these games. But one of the factors last year was he could not throw the football down the field at all. Like he had no completion ability to get the ball down the field, which is why Kyle Pitts was terrible fantasy last year and why this passing attack was not having any explosive plays. We're going to see no worse accuracy down the field from Desmond Ritter, even if he's terrible, than we did last year from Marcus Mariota. I think the ceiling is higher. The floor is also no worse than what it was last season. And I think that we're going to get better production out of Marcus Mariota i oh, sorry, Desmond rear throwing the ball deep than we saw from Marcus Morito. That does a couple things. Number one, we might score points from deeper out. I mean, this team, I think, had eight touchdowns, eight touchdown passes of five or more yards. Eight touchdown passes of five more yards. Worst in the NFL last year. We're going to see more than that this year. I'm very confident. Um, we might score touchdowns from 20 yards out, 30 yards out, which they weren't doing last year. So that could help score points. It could also get them down inside the red zone quickly. If they're back at their own 35 and they throw the ball down the field, they might actually complete that pass and get down into the red zone. More trips to the red zone. And inside of the red zone, I think we're going to see a lot more success because Marcus Moriota was terrible inside the red zone as well. This offense was not productive inside the red zone. Arthur Smith, in his years in Tennessee, was brilliant calling plays inside the red zone. Yes, Acknowledge that he did have Derrick Henry, who's a beast inside the red zone, dictates box counts uh, and is very efficient running the football down there. However, I think we're going to get a lot more efficiency from this offense now that Mariota is gone and Ritter is there and there's more creativity. Uh, and I think we're going to see more touchdowns score down there. So if, if you're interested in betting on this team, there is not a single driver to more wins in the NFL than scoring points. It's more important actually than turnovers is just pure point production. And we're going to see more point production in my opinion from the Falcons this upcoming season. If you're interested in them on fantasy, it's the same exact principle and that is we need this team to score more points for our players to have more production whether it's yards to get down to the red zone, whether it's scoring from deep, whether it's scoring inside the red zone. I think we're going to see more touchdowns. The tricky part for me Todd is I don't know Exactly who I would say is the best buy on this offense. You know, which player do you want to target? To me, I think a lot would come down to like how they're priced. Um, Because again, just like betting on things, price is is very important. So you could get a cheaper option, but you're going to, you don't have to pay as much for him. So I can't tell you which guy offers the most value, but I can tell you this Falcons offense as a whole, I think is going to be a lot more productive and explosive than it was in 2022.
0: Well, that's where I come in. And that was part of my article. I went through each of the guys. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at BestBallNFL, you should easily be able to see the article that I wrote this week. And I go through each of the Falcons um, and what I think versus their cost. A couple couple things, Warren. You know, one, we learned again the lesson of um, the offensive line with Jamal Williams in Detroit. Uh, If you've got a great offensive line, yes, you don't have Derrick Henry, but you've got B. John Robinson. You've got Tyler Algier, who was much more efficient than, you know, he was not a darling of the fantasy community, but he played very well last year. You've got the weapons. The other thing to build up on the point that you made is I saw, and I wish I remember where I saw the the statistic, but Arthur Smith, when Ritter came in last year he opened up the offense more they took more shots with desmond ritter as a rookie than they did with when marcus Mariota was playing you know we we've kind of got arthur smith in the fantasy community pegged as this guy who let uh kyle pitts die on the vine but maybe it it was just a fact that he didn't trust marcus Mariota, and so that's why he was so conservative and um, one of our listeners piped in um, uh, in the comments and said, uh, preseason, ta- Chris Ostro, thank you for joining us. Preseason taught us a lesson of how amazing it was that Atlanta was as good as they were with Mark Mariota at quarterback. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks for jumping in. Um, Warren, any last, thoughts on the, uh, any last thoughts on the Falcons and what I talked about in response uh, before we move on?
1: no i i think they were more willing to open up the offense uh that statistic obviously is accurate once desmond ritter took over i think that we're going to see even more of that keep in mind ritter hasn't even played with kyle pitts kyle pitts was injured before that occurred so uh, i'm very optimistic on this offense as a whole and you know todd as well as i do that the trenches are very important especially for young quarterbacks and we've seen when quarterbacks aren't getting protection like in chicago with justin fields and we're not going to see when a quarterback is put into an offense that is going to be able to run the ball a little bit and has a great pass protection ability.
0: And that's what I think we're going to get out of the Atlanta Falcons offense this year. Yep. And uh, Chris jumps in again with Drake. London goes late for a guy drafted before Olav and Wilson. I have been priority adding both pits and Drake London. I uh While uh, while Darren Waller's ADP has gone up two rounds, Kyle Pitts has gone down a round and a half recently. And uh, I've made it a goal in a lot of my drafts recently to come out of there with at least one of those two. And if I don't get them, and sometimes even if I do, I love adding Tyler Algier late uh, because he's going to have a role. And if Bijan goes down, he could crush. So... um, Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about the Falcons is I like their backup. Uh, Heineke might not be a winning quarterback per se, but he was able to feed those receivers in Washington. And if Ritter is ineffective or gets injured, I think Heineke could make these assets shine in fantasy this year. So um, the next team on my buy list, Warren, is the Dolphins. The prices are not cheap like they were with um, with the Falcons, but we've seen Waddle fall a few spots recently um, because of his injury, and Tua remains cheap due to his injury concerns. The running backs have been cheap all offseason due to the fear of Dalvin Cook, which seemingly has passed, although now we have to worry about Jonathan uh, Taylor there. What are your thoughts overall, big picture, on the Dolphins' Warren?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know this obviously is a fantasy oriented uh, podcast, so we'll talk more about the offense than the defense, but I obviously love the fact that Vic Fangio has come to town um, and this team defensively. Okay. Cause this impacts offense. Keep this in mind, obviously that defense impacts offense. This team ranked 24th in two of the most high leverage statistics defensively that you have third down defense, red zone defense. They were so bad on third down defense last year that I want to say um, they had the sixth highest rate of drives reach their red zone defensively. What that means is the other team is controlling the ball longer. That The other team has possessions, especially when you get to third down, then you convert. Boom, that's like. Literally three more downs at a minimum that the other team is probably going to have the ball for, where your offense has to rest. And so the fact that they were giving up the sixth highest rate of drives into their own red zone is a problem. And if now the defense is a little bit better, obviously I'm bummed that Jalen Ramsey's not going to be there, and I'm not quite sure about his. The duration of that injury, if it's, if it's correct. And I was talking uh, to Chad Millman and Simon Hunter on the action uh, podcast earlier today uh, about this exact thing. I don't know if that timeline is exactly correct, but I'm higher on this defense certainly than I was last year. I think they're going to be more creative and less predictable with their blitzes and things of that nature as well. On the offensive side of the ball, my big concern with this, this team, I, I don't, yeah, I get I get it. Like Tua could get hurt and that's going to spell curtains. I'm not I don't like to bet games uh based upon like maybe the quarterback's going to get hurt. I know it's a factor in season long things. I hope that that's not necessarily the case this year just because clearly this offense was more fun with him in there and if you're playing fantasy and drafting these players you need him there. But the one interesting element for this is last year I want to say it was like week 11, 12 the Niners, sorry, the Niners hosted the Miami Dolphins. Miami traveled out there, stayed on the West Coast, and their first game was against the 49ers. And the 49ers had a great defensive scheme. It basically took away the middle of the field and forced Tua to work to the perimeter. And they struggled. They only scored 17 points. The very next week, lo and behold, guess who comes in and copycats as best he can that 49ers defensive game plan? It was Brandon Staley and the LA Chargers. And Tua only scored 17 points in that game. I think one of the scores was uh, Tyreek Hill picking up a fumble and running around the end and scoring a touchdown. That was one of the most unbelievable plays uh, of last season. So their offense was even worse than you know what the 17 total points indicated. The reason that's important is this, um, and this is more like analytics, data uh, focused as opposed to like pure fantasy, but the Miami Dolphins crushed it down the middle of the field. They were the number one passing attack when Tua threw it between the numbers in efficiency. They were the number three rushing attack when they ran between the tackles. Everything up the middle of the field, this offense was incredible. But to the outside, outside the numbers, that's where they struggled. When they threw it outside the numbers, Tua dropped from number one to number 22. And when they ran outside the tackles, they dropped from number three in efficiency all the way down to number 28. And my fear is that defenses will adjust. And we're going to find out week one, Todd, because in week one, we're not going to have to wait long. They play the Chargers again. And Brandon Staley's probably going to try to utilize the similar scheme that he used late last year to slow this offense down. And if Mike McDaniel has an answer to that and this passing attack has efficiency, then I think the sky's the limit for what this offense can do as long as they're healthy and Tua gets protection and can stay in the lineup. So I like this offense, but, you know, guess what? If that defensive game plan from Brandon Staley in week one slows this offense down, guess who they play week two? Bill Belichick. And guess who they play? Very soon thereafter, the Buffalo Bills. They also get a game against the Denver Broncos, Philadelphia Eagles. All these defenses coordinators are going to start copycatting what was utilized to slow them down in week one. So uh, it's going to be very important that this team gets off to a quick start. But, uh, I mean, they had this rare combination. Last thing I'll say here of, uh, you know, I I was predicting this would happen. I wrote about it in the book prior to last year, they're going to increase their yards after the catch. Cause it was terrible last year, but they had this interesting combination where their air yardage was like over two more yards than it was the prior year. And they still had more yak. And those two are not related. They're inversely related. You're not going to have uh, in terms of correlation, you're not going to have more yak if you're throwing the ball deep down the field. And yet they did in some capacity. So, Uh, This is an explosive offense that could theoretically take another step. But
0: I'm really curious to see what it looks like week one against the Chargers. So So, I got two words of caution out of that. And uh, the first one is bigger for me maybe than the second. Uh, I think Mike McDaniel is smart enough and adaptable enough to uh, to adapt. But is Tua able to do it is the question. The other one, though, is I like bad defenses for fantasy football. Because if your defense is giving up points, then your offense has to keep the pedal to the metal. Now, I don't know if we, if you know this or if um, we, we saw it. I mean, some coaches will put the pedal to the metal, even up three, four scores. Um, other coaches rein it in. But I would say, Warren, that the fact that Vic Fangio, clearly one of the best defensive coordinators of the last 15, 20 years, is now there is good if you're betting the Dolphins to get to the Super Bowl, but perhaps a negative if you are looking at the Dolphins offense for scoring this year in fantasy. Yeah, one of the interesting things, because I was
1: looking to see if I could back the dolphins i wanted to bet a future on them in some capacity and i ended up not um at least to this point in time but i did go back and study this offseason. vic fangio he's made a few stops around the league how does his red zone defense perform because i knew the dolphins had the ninth worst red zone defense last year how does his red zone defense perform in year one versus like year two or three because i remember when i was working um as a consultant for an offensive coordinator, and one of the strategies that we were looking to implement in a particular game was I, they were so good. Fanju's defense was so good inside of the red zone. We were looking for those opportunities to throw into the end zone or throw deep. Fringe red zone territory, like the 28 yard line into the 21, like fringe red zone. We wanted a bigger explosive play because he was so good at packing it in there, making life difficult. um And so I wanted to see how he did year one. And actually, you know, this helps you from fantasy, but like there was not massive turnarounds year one. Like we were not, it took a little while. Let's just put it this way for the defenses, for him to get the right guys in there and for the defenses to learn the scheme properly to be elite down inside of the red zone, um, and it didn't happen like that right when the season started. And his first game was there, so take that with a grain of salt if you want
0: to. But that's what the history tells us. That that is awesome information. That was exactly what I was looking for, Warren. The Baltimore Ravens have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Monken, and are much and, and your old friend Evan Silva is a big Todd Monken guy. Um, and a lot of the weapons are really reasonably priced, certainly more reasonably priced than the other big offenses, the Chiefs, Bengals, or Eagles. One of the keys to fantasy football is finding teams that are going to be able to be top three before they actually get there, and you have to pay full price. Do you think the Ravens have what it takes to end up in the range of those three teams at a discount?
1: Yeah, it's definitely possible i mean i wrote a lot about the baltimore ravens obviously some people think of me as like this massive lamar jackson stand uh i just like being first to different things and i was first to believing in lamar jackson prior to the 2019 season when a lot of people were massively doubting him um i understand his injury track record that didn't stop me from betting over in his touchdowns this year um and that also didn't stop me from backing zay flowers to have uh the most receiving touchdowns of any rookie receiver. Maybe it's receiving yards. I'll have to look up which one we specifically bet there. But that was a long shot future that we took uh, for him to lead the class in receiving. One of the interesting things, I actually just wrote this article, um, uh, good time to mention this. Uh, in years past, I've taken my writing and gone elsewhere with it, You know, working for other companies and, and writing mostly what they wanted me to, which is like pure betting. And I decided this year, one of my real passions was to to write about a little bit more analytics. Um, I'm still gonna be writing about betting, but I wanted to write a little bit more about uh, analytics is what got me into this industry in the first place. And so that's what I'm doing now at Sharp Football Analysis. So you're gonna see, I started publishing some last week deep dive analytical articles that you aren't going to find this information anywhere else. And one of them uh, that I just published this afternoon was on personal grouping usage thus far in uh, the preseason through two weeks and what that can tell us, if anything, about this upcoming season. And so you you go, go over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and you can read up on it. But you were talking about the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the Baltimore Ravens used 11 personnel last year, uh, first half early downs. of the time. That was the lowest rate in the NFL for any offense. It's the lowest rate in the last decade for any team to uh, trot out three wide receivers. So far this preseason, that was up to 64%. And that's without Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman. Uh, So guaranteed, this team is cranking up majorly the 11 personnel. And that's not going to come as a surprise because I think people know that that's what Todd Monken is looking to do a little bit more. But the other interesting point about this, and we'll see how much it changes during the season when the running back core is a little bit deeper, uh, is that they dropped to pass thus far in 11 personnel at a 75% rate. So they're out in 11, they're passing the ball three out of every four snaps. That's well above the NFL league-wide preseason average. It's well above what they were at last year. So this team looks to be potentially definitely using a lot more 11 and potentially passing more frequently out of 11. And it's just going to cause a massive spike that I don't think is being priced into the market for Lamar's passing attempts, Lamar's passing touchdowns, the receiving touchdowns of players on this roster. Um, I think Lamar will be scrambling some too when those run lanes present themselves, Uh, especially you'll get a little bit more of that if you're dropping back to pass more and the boxes are lighter. There's open run lanes and it is, you know, I've been talking about this for two years now. The single most efficient play in NFL is a quarterback scramble on a design pass play when a run lane opens up and presents itself. We're talking eight to nine to 10 yards per play that you are locking in on average, which is better than any pass attempt that you could average when you're dropping back. And so more quarterbacks, when those run lanes are there, especially a quarterback that has mobility, Lamar Jackson, obviously cream of the crop, right? He should be taking those and just like just banking it, banking it, banking it. Don't get injured. Don't run unnecessarily. If there's not a run lane, don't force anything. If there is an open running because the box is light, take it. Otherwise, drop back, pass the ball down the field, and I think we're going to
0: see a lot of production out of this offense. Awesome. And you had me at I bet the over on Lamar Jackson touchdowns. And if you want more um, stuff like that, uh, you definitely got to subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, at Warren Sharp FB Analysis. Go there. In season, we're going to be doing podcasts. I'll be doing one with Ryan McChrystal, um, Rich Rebar, and Raymond Summerlin, two of the best guys in the industry. More to be announced as we go along. Go to Warren Sharp FB Analysis on Twitter, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, we also have a comment in chat from Drew Stevens. Drew, thank you so much for joining in. Are you guys worried about the Ravens' defense this year, especially with Humphrey missing time to start the year? The corner depth could be brutal. I don't want to pass this one to Warren, but I'm going to take it real quick and just say for fantasy football, if the – well, I will ask Warren if he agrees. But to me, with a high-octane offense that's passing more – and doing more three-wide receivers. I think you're also going to see them play the two tight ends together more, and both of them are good pass catchers. Um, Give me a bad defense because that just um, is going to increase the amount of offense that Lamar Jackson is going to have to put out there. Warren, any thoughts on the defense before I move on? Yeah. And I know he was asking a little bit about
1: like wind totals, et cetera. And for, for, for me, just think about the schedule. They're non-division teams that they're going to face that are outside of their typical rotation, which is like this year it's AFC South, NFC West. But the other three teams that they play based on where they finished last year, they're playing the Dolphins offense, they're playing the Chargers offense, they're playing the Lions offense. All three of these offenses we expect to take steps forward this year. We like those offenses. Last year, the three teams that they played were the Giants, not a great offense, the Detroit, I'm uh, sorry, the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So just that alone shows that they're going to be playing more difficult offenses this year. They're going to have a break against the AFC South, starting a lot of younger, inexperienced quarterbacks in general. Um, but, I mean, this their own division – Think about the Steelers offense and how much better that's looking right now in the preseason. The Browns can't be any worse than they were last year, even if Deshaun Watson never regains his full form. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they got Joe Burrow, they got the receiving core. They're going to be a good offense too. I have the Ravens playing the third most difficult schedule of any defense in the NFL. So it very well might mean that Uh, sorry, the third most difficult schedule of any defense of opposing offenses. So very well will mean that this offense has to score enough points. But yeah, it is a concern of mine uh, that the defense is getting a little bit beat up here in the preseason for
0: sure. Awesome. And I'm glad you caught that Drew was more focused on win totals and division futures. So I am glad that we were able to give Drew the answer that he wanted. I want to talk about the Cowboys. Um, There is this thought out there because Mike McCarthy made this big proclamation that he wants to run the ball more to rest his defense. Um, I've kind of come from the place that he just wanted to get rid of Kellen Moore because, you know, coaches like to, especially offensive coaches, want to have more say in the offense. Um, I haven't seen the offensive moves that they made. You know, they let Zeke go they didn't bring in a, a veteran back. Uh, for a team that supposedly wants to run more, Warren, they're not signaling it with their, uh, their, their moves. What has your study of the first two preseason games showed you about the Dallas Cowboys? Well, they're, they're definitely increasing their 11 personnel usage a little bit
1: more. And obviously, we know that they're not utilizing all their wide receivers yet, but it tells you, this is the thing about personal groupings. And I encourage you guys to go read the article. I'll probably start a Twitter thread either later today or tomorrow about it. Um, we know that teams are not going to tip. They're not going to play all their starters in the preseason. Some do more than others, but most teams don't. Um, so you're not really getting a chance to see a lot from those guys. Um, they're also not going to like show you their best plays. but what they have to do, what they can't really conceal is, their intent from a personnel grouping perspective, because they have to evaluate the roster. They have to cut down to 53. They have to figure out which of the players do they need to carry five, six, seven wide receivers? How many backs do they need? How many tight ends do they need? In order to figure out how many they need, uh, in order to figure out the right guys to fill that roster, they have to play those guys enough. And so if a team's using a lot of 12 personnel, chances are with a few minor exceptions, they're probably going to lean more into 12 personnel this year. Um, And so that's why it is valuable to look at personnel groupings in the preseason, because it gives you a little bit of an understanding of what this team might do during the regular season. Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys look, uh, we know that Mike McCarthy lied to Jerry Jones basically, and admitted to that about his experience heading into uh, the job uh, process, job application process. Um, said about all the film that he watched and the tape that he watched and really didn't do what he said. Um, Who knows if he's actually lying. Like you just uh, uh, sort of were alluding to about how much they want to run the football. Um, I could just say this. I know Brian Schottenheimer was very much. So buying into a pass first offense in Seattle. And for the first half of his last season there, Russ was a big buyer in that as well. And they raised their pass rate tremendously to the point that Pete Carroll became quite uncomfortable with it. He went along with it at first, then became uncomfortable with it, then stepped in once Russ started throwing a couple of picks and trying to put like the whole team on his shoulders when they were, they did have a little bit more well-rounded opportunities. But for several weeks there, the way that this team was winning games was because they were passing the ball a lot early. So Schottenheimer knows this, but – it's not Schottenheimer's calling the plays. It's not Schottenheimer's designing the offense. This is Mike McCarthy's last shot here, right? Like you fire your OC, you're going to need to do this. This is all coming back to you. So I don't think he's putting it on Brian Schottenheimer. He's taking command of what this offense ends up looking like here. I kind of don't believe that they've got the horses to run the ball as much as he's kind of alluding to. Uh, I also, But the one part I will admit is that there is probably an element of him that – wants to possess the ball more, maybe wants to slow the game down more. I don't know that he's going to like shift into a run focus. I still think they're going to be passing the ball at a fairly high rate because of the receivers that they've got there, because they don't have this bruising back. They've got a lot of backs that really are well-suited to uh, change of pace, running when needed, or getting the short yardage, but otherwise we're going to be throwing the football. Um, So I'm excited to see what this offense does end up looking like but I do think they're going to have a lot of three wide receiver sets out there.
0: Yeah, and it only makes sense because they brought in Brandon Cooks. Um, they've got Michael Gallup, second year off of an ACL. CeeDee Lamb um, is uh, one of the top wide receivers in the game. And, you know, Dak Prescott is my most owned quarterback in fantasy this year because the price has remained exceedingly cheap. And uh, a lot of it has to do with this thought that Mike McCarthy is no good and Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball. So I'm glad that um, you're you're kind of thinking the way that I am. The last team from a positive perspective is a very similar situation. It's the Colts where there's this big concern and I, I had Reeves on and he talked about rookie quarterbacks, how bad they are. Um, but Anthony Richardson Yes, he's inconsistent, but when he's, when, he, when, he, when he's on, he can make every throw in the book. And he, to me, he is a huge upgrade over Matt Ryan and what end of career Matt Ryan was uh, able to do. I am a big fan of uh, Michael Pittman as a wide receiver. All the Colts are cheap. Would you agree with me that uh, Anthony Richardson, even if he is inconsistent, could still propel assets if they're cheap enough, and they are? Um,
1: this one's a little bit more tough for me, but I do think the one thing that you certainly have going for you is that this team's going to lose a lot of games, right? And so when a team's going to lose a lot of games, are in some very good game scripts for fantasy to have production, um, just through volume in general. So I think that there's going to be those opportunities for them. Um, there's naturally going to be a lot of growing pains. I don't really know what this offense is going to look like. I shudder to see them against some of the elite competition, let's say against the AFC North where they've got good defenses and good offenses in that division. But, um, they play one of the easier schedules in the NFL. Uh, they play one of the easiest schedules of opposing defenses. I got them right now. Tenth easiest schedule of opposing defenses. Third easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses. Um, so like it remains to be seen if the issues that Anthony Richardson had with his accuracy bleed into the NFL to a high degree. Um, obviously, we know there have been some quarterbacks of late. Uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts who were very inaccurate to start their career, but they were developed and have become much more accurate over the last year or two. Um, And so it's not to say Anthony Richardson might not be able to get there at some point in time, but that element of this could be holding him back for a little bit and then thus would hold back some of the receivers. But you raise a very good point as it relates to fantasy, and that is that all this is entirely based upon what are you paying for these guys? And if you're paying very little for them, then some of them might be worth rolling the dice because the upside in case there is a positive situation with Anthony Richardson against these bad defenses, when his own offense, when his own defense is allowing a lot of points, you know, he could be in a pretty good situation to uh, be needing to produce and produce at a high rate uh, and produce all four quarters of the game. So that's kind of my thought there. I don't love him and the Colts from a futures perspective, but certainly can see the uh, value and buy low from a fantasy perspective.
0: Yeah. And to, and to just um, kind of expound on that, uh, Michael Pittman last year was the 24th best scoring wide receiver with the ghost of Matt Ryan. He's coming off the board as the 36th or 37th wide receiver off the board. So uh, to, uh, to me, that discount is built in. And if they are going to be bad, as Warren mentioned, um, I, I, I've been on them. Um, you know, uh, Josh Downs goes in the last round of drafts. Um, we've had, heard a steady drumbeat about him as well. Um, Warren, I love Justin Fields, but he and DJ Moore, we've seen their price go up off of their preseason uh, performance. So I, I'm not buying them now, but the Bears – are one of the most um, hardest nuts to crack for fantasy in the sense that you find analysts who love Justin Fields, um, like myself, and you have plenty who think he's like the worst quarterback who ever lived. What are your thoughts on the Bears? They've made a lot of moves to add parts to help Justin Fields. I'm really curious as to what your research has found.
1: You know, actually, I was trying to pull up a tweet, but I don't have it here. I was doing some analysis about the Bears earlier this uh, preseason as it relates to their target depth. And Justin Fields was under some of the most pressure of any quarterback in the NFL last year. And in large part, it was because they were trying to push the ball too far down the field. And we only saw, what, three dropbacks of him uh, in the preseason and he completed all three passes, I think, and two of them were these huge touchdowns. And so it created a lot of, um, you know, uh, scrutiny on, you know, oh, well, those were passes all minus two yards behind the line of scrimmage, negative two air yards, et cetera. But the reality is this team is trying to come up with other ways to complete the football. And we've seen that around the league. It's become more in vogue with regard to even whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts has talked about it. We just need to complete the football, complete these passes. If it's a little bit closer to line of scrimmage, it's better than throwing an incompletion in many cases. Now, that shouldn't mean that they're not going to take shots down the field. It just means make life a little bit easier, and that's something that Andy Reid does with Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't force Mahomes to go put on the Superman cape 50% of the time and go make magic happen. He tries to call plays that are going to be, High completion rates, upside of yards after the catch, make life a little bit easier on Mahomes. So he's not going to take hits. He's not going to get banged. He's getting the ball out of his hands quicker. And then build in some of these plays that might have more explosion down the field in terms of a deeper throw. So I like that for the Chicago Bears. Whether or not this offensive line is going to protect him well enough, um, that's a big concern for me. They just lost, I think, their left guard to uh, unknown. Duration in terms of his injury, from what I was reading, um, uh, Jenkins. We're not sure when he's actually going to be playing to be determined. Um, That's obviously a downgrade. But I absolutely love the moves that they made to bring in DJ Moore. Um, But I don't know. Some of their other roster decisions have been a little bit puzzling. I've been waiting for them to start spending on their cap because they had a lot of cap space. They started to do that a little bit. Um, I just don't know if they're ready to take that next step. I know a lot of people are looking to get into the pro bears marketplace, but in terms of fantasy um, I still think their defense is going to struggle a little bit. This is the defensive. This is the specialty of Matt Eberflus. Their defensive coach uh, is that side of the football. Uh, he's their head coach, but he's a former DC. And so um, obviously he's trying to look to build that up, but um, i'm i'm very neutral on the chicago bears in general i'm certainly not a buyer of the chicago bears in fact i I prefer the green bay packers who were rated a little bit below the chicago bears for much of the off season um i think that there's a little bit more upside with the packers this year uh if jordan love actually hits than there is with the bears assuming everything else goes right with this team but um i'm glad that they're in the upward trajectory and hopefully they win more games this year than they did last year, which I think is obviously uh, going to happen. But I'm not really a, a believer in the Bears exceeding their win total in
0: 2023. Got it. Um, last, t- and and we're running a little bit on time. I did have a question about the Packers, but I'm glad you covered that quickly. But I know you know probably as much about the New York Giants as anyone. Um, and the Giants uh, really looked sharp. And, you, you know, there's a lot of, you know, because there's so many guys, they've been cheap all offseason. Darren Waller was a priority add for me uh, for most of the off season. His price has gone up, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, and other people on Twitter kind of say, well, Daniel Jones has never done it. You know, last year, he, you know, it was like one of the safest offenses in the league. Well, I think that was partly a design of trying to give Daniel Jones confidence that he never had had up until that point and giving him a lot of rollouts, quick throws. Um, but they've added Jalen Hyatt. They've added Darren Waller. Um, Evan Neal gets his second year, uh, the fifth overall pick in the draft. Um, I mean, you know, could you see – Daniel Jones getting 25 to 30 touchdown passes this year? Um,
1: I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but I do think that they're going to be quite balanced and intelligent with their play calling down near the red zone. And the Giants coaching staff understands that the most efficient plays to call down inside of the red zone are running back runs from spread personnel. And so I think that we're going to continue to see that for the new york giants um it's just easier to score those touchdowns you look at the data and you can see it for yourself that these are more efficient plays running back runs from 11 personnel etc now could he get there by throwing the football a little bit more from outside the red zone and having more success yeah absolutely and they had a nice deep pass from uh tyrod taylor yesterday uh sorry a few days ago um and i think when you incorporate the deep speed of Hyatt with the just possession type receiver of Darren Waller. I think there's a lot of upside here for this attack, just because they weren't a high volume offense last year from a touchdown passing touchdown perspective. doesn't mean they can't be this year, but Daniel Jones needs to make a lot of strides. And that's because, um, I wrote a lot about this last year, right before he was about to get his contract, but, um, Much of their improvement last year offensively was just because Daniel Jones ran the football more frequently with his legs than he did the year before. And they were more efficient down inside of the red zone, thanks in large part to their running ability. And Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka upgrading the running back run game, the efficiency of that down inside of the red zone. That's how they were getting into these games and staying efficient. If you look at Daniel Jones between the 20s last year compared to the year before, he was less efficient. He averaged less yards per attempt. I think his uh completion rate was lower, his EPA per attempt was lower. Uh, he was not a great quarterback between the 20s, but they got it because he was running the football and because uh obviously they had success down inside the red zone with their running backs. Last year they were hamstrung he, he, with the he roster. Also they,
0: had, he also sorry to interrupt, but he also yeah. had. Legitimately, guys coming off the street to play wide receiver for him. So exactly. uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking away from what you said, but uh, giving it a little context. Exactly, that's
1: exactly what I was leading into. Is that this team was left with a mess from Dave Gettleman. So their offensive line wasn't great. The pass protection wasn't great. They didn't have the ability for Daniel Jones to drop back a lot and have success and feel comfortable back there uh they didn't have those receivers i mean the the what they were working with uh when trying to trot out 11 personnel wasn't great when they tried to go to 12 you know daniel bellinger gets hurt like this team was reeling last season with some injuries at the skill positions and i think that they can't be anything but a little bit healthier there this upcoming season and they're starting to work out from that cycle of what dave Gettleman put them into we talked about the atlanta falcons how i like the atlanta falcons this season um they're you know this is their third year they're two years removed from the prior regime who put them into some very bad predicaments from a cap perspective um dave Gettleman put this team in a bad predicament year one, very tough year two. We're starting to be able to have a little bit more flexibility and make some moves. We're able to give some contracts to guys we think deserve them. And who fit. Well, we're able to get rid of more guys and bring in other ones that we think fit our offense or defense a little bit better. So I'm excited to see where they go here. My prediction on the giants is that while this team will play better football in 2023, they may win fewer games. Um, and, and, It's primarily because of two reasons. Number one, I do not believe they're going to have the same success coming back in games as they did last year, which was remarkable how they were winning all these games late. That's not going to happen. They know it everybody pretty much realizes it. they're going to have to start their games a little bit faster. However, they played the, the second point. They play the number one, most difficult schedule of opposing defenses this year. It's even more difficult than it was last year. I think it's going to be a challenge. So even if they take some strides, we were talking last year, they went up against um, the NFC North in a year that Aaron Rodgers was down and the rest of that division was down and the AFC South, which was not a good division either last year. Um, now they go up against all those defenses from the AFC East. We talked about a couple of those teams, but the Jets' defense is the elite. Bill Belichick, the Dolphins, and the Bills. NFC West, you know, it's not going to be easy. Plus the New Orleans Saints. Like this is going to be a difficult schedule for the New York Giants offense.
0: Yeah, I, my, I'm a Giant fan. My thoughts exactly. What Dable was able to do last year it was unbelievable and oftentimes what ends up happening is uh and and a lot of it was because the schedule was so easy it's a much tougher schedule um warren i am so glad that we had a chance to do this and um i I, you know i am also thankful to be part of the sharp football analysis team and i'm really excited about everything we're going to be doing moving forward into the season why don't you tell us again where we can find everything? Uh, show us your book cover again, because that thing is uh, next to the mustache. I think the size of that book is the most impressive thing. Open up, open up one page. Just look at what goes on inside here, all the, the visuals, all the things that Warren puts into this. This is not just um, a, a, a couple fantasy articles. This will help you to understand football better and help you to be better at both fantasy and the betting markets. Warren, tell them where to find it. You go to sharp.football is the shortcut to get this
1: PDF. And you know what we'll do here, Todd? Uh, Let's do a special code for this show. We'll do angles 15, A-N-G-L-E-S 15, angles 15. I'll set it up right after the show's over. Take $15 off the book. Uh, use that code when you buy the book. Go, go get it. We'll keep it up there for a day or two. Angle's 15. Uh, it's 532 pages pre- previewing the upcoming season. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we offer over at Sharp Football Analysis. We talked about it from a fantasy perspective. Rich Rebar's worksheets come out on Tuesday. The best thing that you can read on a Tuesday is Rich Rebar's worksheets because he's working from Sunday night, almost probably doesn't sleep, I imagine, to get these things ready. They're really going to help get you prepared. Couple that with some of the betting packages that we have there where we start jumping on games and beating line moves. Um, and with our track record that you can also find over at the website, I think you're going to be set up for a great season. So uh, appreciate you having me on, Todd. I'm excited to watch this particular podcast grow. So again, guys, if you're – If you're just tuning in for the first time, you got to do a couple things. You got to go subscribe to the Sharp Angles podcast uh, because the podcast is very good. We've got a great schedule that the guys are lining up for this upcoming season, and then of course, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube because we're doing a lot more on YouTube. uh,
0: YouTube YouTube.com backslash uh, at Warren Sharp FB Analysis. Awesome. Um, I want to thank the people who jumped in the chat: Chris Astro, Drew Stevens. Uh, We want to thank you for the comments. Guys, do me a favor. Go and get this book. Um, uh, Adam, please put up the code one last time. It is um, Angles15. Go to sharp.football. It couldn't be easier. Go to sharp.football. Use the code Angles15, and that will save you $15 off of uh, the manifesto that is the 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 book that um, everyone in this team and Warren just sweated bullets over. It will make you better at fantasy football. It will make you better at DFS, and it certainly will make you better at betting future lines going forward. I'm Todd. You can find me at Best Ball NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow. Mention that I uh, you saw this podcast or heard it, and I will absolutely follow you back.